Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? And get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, everybody. It's Amanda, and I am back here today with a special Friday bonus episode to chat with Dr. Abdul El-Sayed, a physician, epidemiologist, CNN contributor, and the author of the newsletter, The Incision. Thank you uh, for being here. What a week it's probably been for you. Yeah, it's been a pretty busy week, but uh, but glad to be here with you. Yeah, awesome. So I want to get right to it. So we are chatting on Thursday afternoon. I think a lot of us began to hear about the Omicron variant over the weekend last Friday. How has our understanding of this variant evolved since the beginning of the week? Well, uh, what's happened more than anything else is that it's just spread, which tends to, to, to mean that some of the hypotheses that we'd had about the relative transmissibility um, seem to be being confirmed in real time. At the same time, we still don't have uh, quality studies that really tell us just how much more transmissible this may be. Similarly, the other question uh, beyond transmissibility that that a lot of folks are asking and ought to be asking is about vaccine escape. Um, And uh, it's important that the first two cases in the United States were both vaccinated people, suggesting that um, not not that 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 two, two uh, doses of the vaccine may not be enough and putting an exclamation point on uh, the need to get boosted. And a lot of folks may be thinking, well, if two vaccines are enough, how are you sure that getting boosted is so much more helpful? Mm-hmm. In some respects, you know, you, you think about the old parable of the uh, blind folks and the elephant, each trying to touch one different piece of the elephant. It's kind of like mm-hmm. our immune cells and the virus. And uh, the more times that our um, immune cells see the the piece of the virus that's generated by the mRNA uh, that our vaccines offer it. Uh, the the better a handle on what they're fighting, the better the the, the probability that uh, they they do the work of protecting us. So that third dose is critical. And then the last question uh, beyond uh, transmissibility and vaccine escape uh, is on severity. And uh, right now we really only have anecdotal clinical evidence from physicians who've treated patients with uh, Omicron, but the the early evidence is that it may be less severe. Again, we don't have confirmatory, high-quality, rigorous scientific evidence. So all of that is to tell you, we really don't know that much more than we did last Friday, um, yeah. but uh, but I understand the, the the worry and the angst that a lot of folks have as uh, Omicron comes closer and closer to, to where we are, given that we've had cases now in the United States. I mean, I think even for people, that's reassuring to know they didn't, you know, if people were working hard this week and didn't pay attention, unfortunately, or fortunately, they didn't miss any any huge developments that could help them uh, keep themselves safe other than what we knew a week ago, which was if you're eligible, get your booster, right? That's right. Uh, if you're eligible, get your booster. And then, you know, I know a lot of folks, the masks have been coming off in, 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 in congregate indoor settings. Uh, you may want to reconsider uh, being indoors without a mask in a public space and um, you know, I know that's really painful as we head into potentially year three of COVID-19 yeah. and uh, and also, you know, it's the holidays coming up, but um, but there are a lot of things that we can do and, and they're the same old things. The other point that I'll make uh, right now beyond boosters is that rapid testing really uh, is a critical resource for folks. And if you can get your hands on a rapid test, which has been a real challenge here in the United States, but if you can get your hands on them, what you can do, of course, is is, is use them. Uh, you know, as you're going into a congregate setting with a couple more people, right? You're having a dinner party and you say, well, look, you know, everybody who's coming, 
uh, please do take a rapid test before you you come. And uh, if it's negative, then we're going to party hard. And if it's not, maybe um, maybe you go sit this one out. Uh, I think that is a yeah. And you'd recommend that whether or not you have symptoms at this stage because of what we're looking at. I would, yeah. I would, and um, you know, and, and it is just one more layer. The, the way I think yeah. about COVID protection is as uh, you know, I'm, I'm from Michigan, right? So it's already super cold here, and, and I think about it like bundling up, right? You, you put on yeah. your base layer. Uh, you might put on a sweater and then you put on a coat and, uh, and maybe then you put on your gloves and, and, and your hat uh, and you're all bundled up and protected from the cold. Um, you're wearing more layers and, and that really is the way to think about COVID protection. It's layers. The coat, of course, is the vaccine. It's the most important thing. If you had to pick one thing to keep you warm in the cold, you want to have a really nice coat, even if you don't have a base layer and you don't have gloves and, uh, and a hat. But um, you know, adding things like a mask, uh, you know, you think about that as that sweater, you think about um, adding things like a, a, a rapid uh, antigen test as, you know, that, that base layer. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can think about something like an air purifier as, as those gloves and hat. And so the more layers you are wearing, of course, the more protected you are from uh, the COVID-19 cold. Yeah, I'm going to extend that metaphor to uh, young people seeming to think they don't need jackets when it's freezing cold, but you do, you do. <laughs> Trust me, you'll feel better. So we're still waiting on some, you, you touched on this a little bit, we're still waiting on some information about how quickly this variant spreads, the severity, as you said. I was curious if you could explain to us what potential paths our understanding could take. Well, you you explained that, what, what paths our understanding could take. So I guess next question is, what actions these respective paths would, would require? You know, what do we do if if this is a less contagious disease, but maybe, or I'm sorry, a more contagious disease, but maybe is less severe, what do we do if it evades the vaccines? What paths are ahead of us? What tools are we going to have to take advantage of? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a really good question. And I, I want to step back and just appreciate the frame that's implicit in this question, which is the frame that we often have when it comes to health in the United States, which is what can I as an individual do for myself to keep myself healthy? And unfortunately, that frame uh, it, it tends to um, it tends to, to marginalize what it is that we can do for ourselves as a community, and that really is where the action is going to be. Uh, frankly, no matter what we hear about uh, about uh, Omicron, it's really not going to change day to day. You may, in the situation where you have uh, massive vaccine escape, and I just want to be clear about something. When I talk about vaccine escape, I'm not saying that this uh, variant is going to render our vaccines ineffective. I'm just saying that it may render our vaccines a little bit less effective, or maybe a lot of bit less effective, but, but still the vaccines are going to have efficacy. Uh, in the end, this is still SARS-CoV-2. It's still the same virus. Um, but you may be a situation where uh, manufacturers produce uh, another booster that's, that's targeting uh, Omicron and, and, um, and, and maybe some of the mutations that we see shared between you know, beta, delta, and Omicron. Um, that may happen down the line. But frankly, COVID defense is going to be the same basic piece, which is you get your vaccine, you wear your mask, you do the things that you can to 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 make sure that you're not um, carrying the virus and other people are not carrying the virus around you. Same same thing. What we do need to do as a society, though, right, are the things that we've kind of failed to do from the very beginning, which are really invest in contact tracing, uh, the kind of genomic surveillance that is commonplace in Australia. And when I say that, what I mean is sequencing the uh, viruses that come out of the samples of COVID positive people. We only sequence up, upwards of about 10% of those here in the United States, whereas in Australia, it was upwards of 60%. That being said, they have substantially less COVID. That's because they did the first thing really well, which is co which is contact trace. Um, I, I do think that, uh, that the Biden administration has taken some really important steps in the right direction. Um, that being said, right, we're still somewhat playing defense when it comes to 
a lot of the basic public health blocking and tackling that uh, that societies that have done really well with COVID-19 have done from the very beginning, which Omicron offers us a new opportunity to do well yet again. And I hope that we take it this time. Yeah. Um, do you think that the the development of this variant, does it expose like some of our the weak points we've had so far? Like, did this variant come as a result of anything we could have done better? Or, or is it simply just highlighting, you know, this is a good reason to spotlight these really important things and keep doing them? Well, the, the one thing that I will say um, that uh, that we have not as a global community done well, and, you know, I put us in uh, at the top of that list, we have not guaranteed access to vaccines across the world. Now, it remains unclear exactly where this uh, variant emerged. We, we um, given the, the way that these variants emerge, it probably was in the body of somebody who is immunocompromised, who is co-infected with, with, with you know, beta and delta um, and, you know, who could not clear the virus and so allowed for an enrichment of, uh, of this new variant, no, not, not for any failure of their own, just simply because, um, because uh, of, of the nature of, of viral evolution. Um, but it's highly likely that happened in the body of an unvaccinated person. And um, I, 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 I cannot put an exclamation point enough on the fact that this is a global pandemic and our failure as a global community to uh, put people ahead of the profits of major corporations whose uh, vaccine product, by the way, were funded by the U.S. taxpayer, us. I, I cannot put an exclama- a, a, exclama- a bro- broader exclamation point on the fact that we need as a global community to decide that we are going to vaccinate everybody and do so quickly. Um, and right now, you know, unfortunately, in the continent of Africa, the overall vaccination rate is about 10%. Um, and, you know, and, and part of that, of course, is vaccine hesitancy, but part of that is also uh, vaccine and access. And that part of that is also where vaccines are manufactured. One of the big conversations right now is about whether or not uh, we can equip manufacturers in places like India and South Africa, which, by the way, do a great job manufacturing medications with the capacity to do that uh, at home. Part of the problem is that, um, you know, there is a long history of medical chauvinism on the part of the United States and and Europe uh, toward uh, the 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 yeah, b- both Africa and uh, Asia, and part of that means that people are um, less certain about the products coming out of our uh, particular societies. And so, uh, by allowing folks to manufacture them at home, uh, what we are doing is equipping them with the capacity to take on some of the vaccine hesitance, while also addressing uh, the inaccess that has been such a challenge. Yeah, and something I can't stop thinking about is how like. I just feel like this this could be like not the last pandemic. So why not get that process? Like, why not get this figured out and get a process going right now? Because it's not like we can just ignore it until we happen to figure it out. I mean, this seems like more is more is coming. My last question is a two part question. What are you as an epidemiologist most curious about with Omicron and where can people keep up with your analysis and how you're going to work through, you know, as you're trying to answer these questions? Yeah, the, the thing I'm most interested in is the severity question. So, you know, if you think about, and let, let me personify the virus here for a second, just because it's a helpful metaphor. The virus's goal isn't to make you sick. The virus's goal is to infect you and go about its, its way. It's better off when you don't even know you're infected, right? And so the evolutionary pressure on a virus like this is toward transmissibility, right? Getting to as many people as possible, but usually away from severity right? Because if it's a severe illness, it either has the chance of killing the host, which is not great, uh, or it has the chance of curtailing the host's behaviors in ways that stop it from spreading, right? I'm really sick. I really shouldn't go anywhere. Let me just make sure that I don't make anybody sick, right? That's the, the idea of isolating. 
And so what happened, uh, we hypothesized with the 1918 flu pandemic, which is the next largest major um, respiratory pandemic that we faced as humanity, uh, is that there was, um, we hypothesized a strain, a, a variant that emerged that was both more transmissible and less severe. And because it was more transmissible and less severe, it just um, outcompeted all of the others. But because it was not that severe, it didn't kill so many people and then allowed the virus to go endemic. The, the, the flu vaccine that we still take is, is a vaccine against uh, a very distant cousin of the original 1918 flu. So I'm wondering about whether or not the same evolutionary pressures are applying here toward less severity and more transmissibility. And uh, if that happens, uh, you know, you, you never want anybody to get sick and we should still try and prevent the spread of uh, this virus, no matter how severe it is. But it may mean that um, if it's more efficient but less severe, uh, that it may actually hasten our, our progress toward, um, toward moving from pandemic to endemic stage. Uh, nevertheless, right, we can't bet on that. And right now, early circumstantial evidence is just circumstantial evidence. So uh, people should make sure that they are boosted. If you haven't gotten vaccinated, I don't even know what's up with you. Like, <laughs> yeah. just, I mean, you must, um, I don't know what you like about this podcast if you haven't been vaccinated. <laughs> I mean, so, right? Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Precisely. So, um, so make sure you're doing those things to protect yourself. And, and we'll be learning a lot more. But I'm really interested to see whether or not we are moving into that direction um, of the virus sort of following its, its evolutionary incentives uh, toward being more transmissible but less severe. Yeah, definitely. And so let people know, uh, what's the URL for your, for your substack? You're still doing that, right? Yeah, folks can go, they can go to uh, incision.substack.com. You can also, I, I write quite a bit at The New Republic. And then oh, cool. um, you can follow our podcast, America Dissected uh, with Crooked Media. Yeah, or just turn on CNN now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Odds are with how much pandemic news you, you'll probably show up at some point. Thank you so much for your time. We're so appreciative of it as always. Amanda, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. The Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to suppod at Betches.com. Betches.